This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Robert Bell. Robert is a transformational speaker, author, and ACCA qualified accountant. He helps people who feel stuck in their career or life journey to break away from the norm and find new paths that reveal their true value. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. My pleasure. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Uh, well, definitely a lot, a lot of stumbling and fumbling. I'll definitely admit that. <clears throat> I'm not that person who one day got an epiphany. I figured it out. Um, so a lot of stumbling and fumbling. Professionally also, I've done a lot of different roles, sales, marketing, ETC. But I guess what would be the turning point for me is when I just decided to start getting back in touch with my dreams, when I started to, you know, just get back. Actually, what happened, I, my eldest daughter, I was playing with her one day and she just reminded me so much of me. And I just started wondering what happened to me. So I went on a journey to find me. Yeah, I think it's important. Obviously, some people are kind of stuck in the rut for, you know, certain reasons. And then they may be in a job and then they, they get a family and they have responsibilities and, and bills. And I think that dream or something you wanted to start or focus on or pivot to becomes that much more scarier because you have to provide for other people. But I think it's important if you can recalibrate and if you need to pivot and figure out who you are at that moment and what truly makes you happy. I think if you can do it, do it. And with the current kind of global situation, I've spoken to a lot of people that this climate, even though it may have been negative from a obviously distancing standpoint or in terms of you know family members possibly getting sick or being laid off for losing their jobs a lot of people it made time to really focus on those dreams yeah it's a it's a great time um you know i i champion creativity a lot and one thing i tell people that creativity helps is that you never waste an opportunity you always learn something from whatever it is that you go through because you become curious all right so what can I learn from this? You, you start to focus yourself. You start to focus your mind on that. And world over, people have been given that opportunity. You know, for me, I, didn't, I wasn't forced into that opportunity. I created it for myself. So I did a very risky thing. I, I quit my last job, and that's the last time I ever had a job. And I just went on this journey to figure out what is it that I want to do? What impact do I want to have? Who do I want to help? What skills do I have? What skills can I learn? Oftentimes, we just stop with what skills do I have, but I wanted to find out what skills can I learn. And one of those skills was public speaking. People just used to tell me, you speak very well, but I'm scared. Stage fright, like completely, I would be sweating. I could feel a glass <laughs> sweat. And I realized, look, it's a skill. I started focusing on the message that I had to pass and just slowly started to develop that. And that, that's how I got where I am now. So I do speaking professionally now, and I'm not perfect. Of course, you'll still get the occasional, um, you know, and, and people let that set them back too much. And I decided that's, that's going to be a minor issue for me. And 
I'm not going to focus on it too much. Yeah, I agree. Oftentimes I say uh, com- complacency is the death of innovation. So if you become comfortable, you stop learning, you think you know everything, you're going to get in this rut mentally that it's hard to get out of. You know, I think that comfort zone is where a human naturally wants to go to feel safe and kind of self-preservation and in, in getting out of it and being in a vulnerable state and a state of uncertainty if you're trying something new. It really is a environment that fosters a lot of rapid kind of growth and expansion a lot of the time. And with public speaking, I know there's been a lot of studies where people kind of identify they're more afraid of public speaking than actual death. So I think everybody has a certain fear, but like you said, it's getting better at it. It's like an athlete, you know, some athletes have God-given talent and, you know, improve it by practicing. Some don't, but some people just practice and and hone their craft and become better and become professionals at that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with that. What was key for me in my journey is learning to slow down, learning to slow down, to observe, learning to pay attention to detail. I'm an accountant, so I naturally pay attention to detail of money, but I, I decided let me pay attention to the details of my life. What situations do I normally find myself in? Where do I find feel comfortable? Where do I not feel comfortable? Who, what are people saying about me, about my performance? Both positive and negative, because you can learn from someone saying something negative. And one of the negative things that I used to get a lot, especially when I was in corporate, is, you know, I'm just not good enough. And one, but I started to decompose or deconstruct that statement. What I wasn't good at was the corporate politics. I wasn't good with just following orders like a soldier. <laughs> I, my mind would be curious. I'd want to try new things. And so if I just, if I didn't deconstruct that s- statement, I'll just feel a lot of self-doubt, you know, self-limiting beliefs. So I had to learn to slow down. Why is this person saying this? Who is this person that's saying that? Why would they say that? And then I look at my performance. So I look at what was good, good for me. That's when I decided, I don't think I'm going to really thrive in this environment. I need to be in an environment where I could, you know, make, have a bit of control, explore, not be limited. Because uh, even if you have a job, you have a job description, you can't really overstep your boundary too much. Some people will see it as a threat, you know, and, and you, as you said, you end up in that rut. I call it the overwhelm. You know, you get into this overwhelm, overwhelming cycle. You ask someone to slow down right now, it's very difficult. And at this time of this recording, that's what a lot of people have had to face the slowdown because of the pandemic, right? Your me time, your own thoughts. You know, there's research that shows where people were given an option of being alone with their thoughts for 15 minutes or getting an electric shock. <laughs> Majority of people chose an electric shock because we have just totally disintegrated and dismantled our own identity. We're so being used to being told what to do, um, social media, consumerist society, just telling you, you got to do this, you got to have that, or you will never feel complete. We never had time, or we don't take time to figure out what fills us up, right? And also what drains us. And this is a time when people can get that opportunity to do that. So that's what I did. And I started to slow down and observe. And just like what you said, I started observing what people say a lot, that when they're in the comfort zone, the first emotion people feel when you start to you know, beckon them to come out of the comfort zone is fear, is scared. Right, so people get scared of that, and they're scared of the unknown. And I started to dig deeper into that. Why do people get scared? And I realized that people get scared because they've lost touch with their creativity. Right, creativity really gives you courage. It takes courage to be creative. And so a lot of people have lost their creativity. And I realized that's the missing element. 
because it's, it's all good to tell people you need to stop being afraid, you need to be courageous. But what does that mean? You know, for me, I've discovered that it's the creativity. Because when we're creative, we are courageous. We are unapologetic. We, we own ourselves. We believe ourselves and we trust ourselves. That's the number one thing I always tell people. If you want to move out of the comfort zone, you want to ditch the overwhelm, you want to get out of that rut, you've got to go back to trusting yourself. And the number one way that you can do that is getting back in touch with your dreams because that's so intimate. I, I, I don't know what your dreams are when you started your podcast. You probably had that dream, maybe put it off for a while, but eventually you said, I got to trust that this is what I'm meant to do. Yeah. And it's one of those things if uh, people tell themselves that it's too late or they put it off too long. But the thing is, is actually starting it in the first place is the biggest hurdle. So if I could go back, I probably would have started a podcast probably five years prior to when I did. Uh, next year will be, I guess, three years since I started. And when I started, I was recording on a cell phone. It was a solo show. Then I got a microphone. Then I got a set. So it's a constant kind of building and learning, like you said. And it's one of those things, maybe 20, 30 years down the line, if you don't attempt it, you're going to have a what if. If you do try it, you're not going to have that what if. You either you know, fail possibly, but it's not a failure if you learn something from it, or you obviously got it to where you wanted it to go. And it's one of those things you also are in control of that. You have to take those initial steps because I think a lot of people have a lot of dreams, but don't act on them. You know what I mean? They just see the people that are successful. Oh, and then make excuses, like you said, for that too. Well, they got lucky. Uh, they had some kind of hookup or their family's connected or, you know, they met the right person at the right time, but you physically have to go out and, and, and get that for yourself. I mean, if, one of the the quotes I read like the last year or two that kind of like I keep telling myself, it's one of those things where everybody wants to be a lion, but nobody wants to do what lions do. So nobody wants to go out there and hunt. People just want things to come to them. If you don't take that initial action, it'll never happen for you. Absolutely. Getting started, you know, in accounting and in business and in management, you know, we say what gets measured gets done. And you know what? You can't measure intention. You can't measure intention. You can only measure actions. So you, you have to get started. I totally agree with you. And so when I started slowing down again, I started realizing why do we fail to take that action? And it's because we try to make too many giant leaps. You want to start a podcast with the best equipment. You want to do this, whatever it is that you know, the, the listener is, is, is trying to start. So I tell people my mantra of my life is, is summed up in an acronym called MAMI, M-A-M-I. It stands for just make minor adjustments that will give you major improvements. Sometimes it's just the small things we got to do. So if you want to be a lion, it's not about trying to lift all the weights and do everything. The number one thing is learning to identify prey. It's as simple as that is. How do you identify prey? Where is your prey? You know, what do you need to do? I tell people one of the smallest changes you can make that will give you a major improvement is reading 10 minutes a day, sleeping a little earlier. Waking up a little earlier, you know, these very small things, they can really unlock a lot of, you know, energy for us. But we often want to get the best coach. We want to have a million dollars to start the project. You know, we want to have a degree and all sorts of things. But you just got to make the first step. As you, you said in your personal experience, you started with a cell phone recorded. And then eventually you made a small change, a microphone, and then this, and then audio panels and whatever. You build on that, right? So if you want to improve, you have to be able to measure something and you can't measure intentions. You have to be able to measure output. And you know what, like what you said, the people who are successful, they are lucky. They did get connections. 
but they made themselves available. No one will ever connect someone laying on a couch. Come on, man. Like, no one is going to say, hey, I see you laying on the couch. I can read your mind. You really want to achieve big things. Let me help you out. No, you, you hook up someone who wants it, who's, who's yearning for it, who's fighting for it, who's working for it. You hook those people up. So when we see people like that being successful and they keep getting other deals and other deals, it's because they're available. They've made themselves available. They've put in the time. They've put in the work. And you got to do that. Yeah, putting yourself out there and the worst thing you can get is no. I think that's a lot of people uh, don't think about it, even in corporate or different roles. So formally, like, you know, when I first started in my career in digital marketing, which I got out of a necessity pivot out of as a result of the 2008 recession. But my first like two, three roles, it was one of those things. When I got an offer, I didn't negotiate. And you can't expect to get the salary you want without negotiating. Negotiating is for free. Worst case they can say is no. So it's regardless if they come back with your ideal, what you're looking for, you still hit them a little higher and then maybe go down and you get more value out of that. But if you never ask, you're never going to know. I, I mean, a few years ago, I think probably like six years ago, I was hiring somebody for one of my teams and then there was a salary range, obviously. So they came in and, you know, were given an offer and they accepted that offer, but the lowest low, low ball offer. And then they found out that they could have gotten like $30,000 more and were upset. I'm like, I can't negotiate on your behalf. You have to take that action. So it's one of those things where like you have to be hungry. And I mean, like you said, the connections and stuff like that, like one year I made it a, a necessity to kind of like bootstrap and hack a lot of meeting people for free. So people you meet industry related people. Um, I met uh, Max Levchin, co-founder of PayPal, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gerard Adams, uh, Lewis Howes, and for free. And it was one of those things, figuring out where they are at the right time, not being overly like aggressive about it and not just looking for like a picture or photo op, but you know, getting them some kind of feedback. Okay, I read your recent book, or I read this article, or I listened to this, and I really enjoyed it because, and getting like one, two, three, four minutes of alone time that most people have to wait, you know, months or maybe even years, but it's doable. So I met all those people for free. And if you don't take action or take the time to do that, you're, you're never going to be successful. That's right. Because it, it's about engagement, right? It's about engaging with someone. But even before you get to that point where you can engage someone, you know, the, the hurdle that we all have to overcome is engaging ourselves. You know, I, I really want to circle back to that issue of trust. You know, that's, that's the biggest barrier where we don't overcome and become our best possible selves because we've not taken time to engage with ourselves. We've, we've not figured out what am I good at? What approach should I use? So I could, you could tell me what exactly what you did to meet all these guys, you know, like Lewis House. I, I definitely want to meet Lewis House one day. But if I copy, if I follow that to the script, I may not necessarily get the results you got because that's designed to build on your strengths. That's designed to position you. I have to see what you have and tweak and modify to what works for me. You know, I can't just close my eyes and like, all right, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get the connection. It doesn't work that way. You have to be able to put in the work. Yeah, I agree. That's why I'm often hesitant to like recommend people where it's like, okay, somebody did something and then they have a course, follow my blueprint to six, seven figures, you follow these steps identically, and you're going to reach it. I mean, one, like you said, the variables are totally different, your strengths, your weaknesses are totally different. Some of the lucky things when the stars align, and maybe like, 
you end up somewhere out of dumb luck or on a flight with somebody, you sit next to somebody and start up a conversation and that leads to something like those things are like the unaccountable unknown. So you can pair everything up one-to-one, you're not guaranteed those results. And oftentimes you will not get the same results. All right. And just like what you said, you, you might follow it um, to the letter, but you miss an opportunity that they wouldn't have had, or you have, but you, you, you don't know how to identify it. All right. So you're sitting on the, on the plane next to someone, but you didn't strike the conversation. So it's developing that skill of how to ask, when to ask, how to make the pitch, how to make the approach. You got to do it in your own way. I've had so many um, experiences like that. You know, but, but I know people always say, great, that's good. That's on the other side of the line, but I'm still stuck here. You know, how do I just, just, just get over that, that hump? How do I just, just get that started? And it's just making the step. Like there's no right way. The best thing to do is just get it done. You make improvements as you, as you go along the way. I always tell people, you, you can never learn to ride a bicycle by watching YouTube videos, right? That's, that's not going to teach you. That'll probably teach you 5% of what you need to know until you sit on that seat and, and you grab that handle and you feel the you're in control <laughs> that's when you learn to ride the bicycle trust me at that point the first time no one is thinking i have to align it like this i have to have this degree no one thinks about that right because you have to you're putting yourself out there vulnerability so you have to be able to be vulnerable you got to just let it go sometimes and you might fall and as you said you might fail but there's no such thing as failure unless you learn a lesson and that's just that's just what it is yeah, I agree. I had somebody that like I took it out of the interview, but they said everything in life is a lesson or a blessing. So it, even if you fail, if you learn something that you can apply for kind of future challenges, it's never, you know, totally 100% of failure. Yeah, yeah. You, you, it's learning the lesson. So that's, that's another lesson. How do you learn from failure? I, I think that's something that we don't really, we're not taught or we don't know how to do it. How do you learn from failure? And it goes back to what I said earlier is just being able to dissect what happened. Is this, is not personalizing the failure and thinking that it's an express opinion on your absolute abilities, right? It's not that. It's, it's what, you probably did something wrong. Maybe it was not the right time. Um, you, you missed a step. You know, it's like you're doing a math equation and you get the, the wrong result. You know, you probably just missed one step. Going back to what I said about the minor adjustment. So you have to learn how to learn from failure. And it means going back, going back to look at it objectively. And of course, don't look at it right after. I mean, <laughs> there's emotions involved, learning to identify your emotions and setting time aside to evaluate. And that alone time with yourself is, is how you develop that skill. So I do that a lot. I check myself. I was like, all right, this podcast interview that I did, did I really say what I needed to say? Um, how was my tone? Did I really listen to what was being said? Did I communicate it well? Not in a very judgmental or, you know, uh, in a sort of judgmental manner, but just more of a reflective, like, how can I make it better? You know, or what did I do good so that I can continue to improve on that? Because I could, in preparing for this podcast, say, I'm going to focus on this, I'm going to say this, but I realize I start focusing more on this part. You know, so it's being able to also identify the opportunity that's not so obvious to us the non-obvious opportunity. And, and that's what creativity helps us to do is just identifying something that's not obvious. You know, as you said, you made um, a necessary pivot, you know, after the, the financial crisis, right? If you, if you weren't able to see and identify that opportunity, it was a non-obvious opportunity, most likely, right? You would have missed it. I mean, what would have happened? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it was out of necessity. So it's like, you don't have a choice. So it's not like one of those things where you're like comfortable and, you know, should I take this? It doesn't align. It was one of those things where it's like, you know, I was, I just graduated. I was looking for a job for months and months. And it's like, okay, well, the economy is not getting any better yet. So let me run with this. I never considered this, but. Yeah. And, and you know, for me, um, I'm an accountant, right? And one thing that people struggle with a lot is tying the identity to their profession. And so every time I started to do something that was uncharacteristic of an accountant, I would get that lashback. I would get that hitting me back. Oh, but you're just an accountant. I mean, how could you be creative? How could you speak? You're supposed to be quiet. You know, so people just society trying to push you back in that box. And I left it. I left accounting for a while. I was like, I don't want to be identified with, with any of that. I left it. I started doing some other things, but I kept bringing in my logical side into everything that I was doing. So people were chasing me away from that side. Like, you're too logical. Just go back to your accounting friends, right? And then I found myself in the middle. I just found myself in some sort of no man's land. And I was like, I'm not accepted anywhere. And of course, I had those self-doubts. I was like, gosh, I can't fit in anywhere, you know? And I'm, I'm not willing to compromise any part of me to fit in here. So I, I just, one day I just decided, let me build my own space, you know? Let me build my space and establish my presence, right? So I proudly brand myself as an accountant and as a creative, if you want to call it that. So I'm just in the middle pulling people together because I'm like, you can be what, what you want to be. You don't have to be limited to your profession. Your identity is not tied to your profession. You know, I tell people that my profession is just an expression of my identity, right? Not just because I studied, you know, I wasn't born and, you know, some some gift given God said, you'll be an accountant and that's all you'll be, stay in your lane. I mean, no, it doesn't work that way, right? We, we, we pivot through life. You continue to learn and neuroscientists tells us that the brain can continuously develop, continuously grow, learn new skills. I mean, who knew about digital marketing 20 something years ago? But we've learned it, right? Yeah, I agree. So what motivates you to succeed? Obviously, those motivations may have changed over time, but what currently motivates you to succeed? my obligation to my dreams. That's what motivates me to succeed. Um, because in motivating me to succeed, it means facing failure right in my face. Uh, when, when you ask me that question, the, the question behind that that I hear is how do I keep going in the midst of failure, right? So what keeps motivating me is, is that dream. It's just making that dream a reality. No matter how many times I fail, no matter how many times it looks like it's not possible, that's what motivates me. And obviously, other things that motivates me is just seeing the impact in other people's lives. You know, like I released my first book this year and the comments on Amazon, people saying, look, you've, you've changed my life. You know, just a few days ago, I met someone who read my book. I was at an event speaking and he was like, you literally saved my life this year. I mean, you know, that, that is just, that's just what motivates me, you know? So, and I'm not saying that I, I, um, I'm fully determined or dependent on external um, motivation, right? So even in, as I said, internally is my obligation to my dreams. That's what motivates me, that being true to myself, that's what motivates me and also makes me happy. So you mentioned the book in terms of kind of writing the book. Is that something you always had in mind to write a book and kind of who, who do you hope to reach with the book as well? Absolutely not. Um, listen here, I, I have dyslexia. I've had dyslexia through school, but it was undiagnosed. So I didn't know that. So I, I really struggled through school. 
Um, I wasn't necessarily, I don't want to use the word dumb or anything, but I, I was quite good. Like I know my content. I just couldn't do exams well because of my dyslexia and writing. So my English teacher even said, learn a different language because you're not going to make it, you know, communicating in English. So I had no desires of writing. I can't write well. I don't spell well. But people kept telling me, you have such rich experience. You have such rich knowledge and insight. You should write a book. And I was just like, who would, you know, obviously at that point, the first thing I thought about a book is my life story. I was like, who would want to hear about my life story? But then as I started maturing, started going through my journey, it's like, look, I can communicate a message. And what I realized is the people similar to me who are professionals, who are stuck in the rut, who are stuck in this overwhelm, who want to explore their creative side, but just feel trapped. So that's who I wrote the book for. I wrote the book for an unsatisfied professional. You've achieved your degree, you're doing well in your profession, but there's just this part of you that feels unsettled, that just feels unsatisfied, no matter how many promotions you get, or even if you're not getting promotions. So that's who I wrote the book for, because that was me. You know, I was doing well in my career, just felt like this can't be it. I need to, you need to roam free. So that's how I ended up writing the book. And my mentor who I work with, he told me, look, the time has come. You need to write the book. And I accepted it. I've learned to trust, you know, the stretch when I'm being stretched and being pulled. And I did it. And it's one of the best things I've, I've done in my life. Yeah, I think it's always like that, doing things that you're uncomfortable and it turns out to to be amazing. I mean, I have a fear of heights. So every time I go on a flight, I'm about to take off. Like in my mind, the plane will crash as soon as we get in the air. So uh, one birthday, I think in my early 20s, uh, my friends convinced me to go skydiving. And it was one of those things, if you see the video, because you have to jump with somebody, the guy could barely drag me out of the plane because you're like attached. And then like, there's no choice when you're in the air you just kind of like process everything and enjoy it. I don't know if I would do it again, but it's one of those things that I don't regret doing. And I got a lot of value out of that experience. And I think like you mentioned, kind of sharing your story or you thought your story wasn't kind of grand enough or big enough. I think I always tell people that either, you know, want to write something or put out an article or write a blog post or even do a podcast interview. Often people think, you know, who, who really wants to listen to me? But if you can impact that one person or through that experience or what you've been through, I think it makes it all worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I did. That's what's changed everything in my life. I don't look for mass of people. I look for one person. If there's one person, even if I went through this whole process of writing the book and only one person got the message, I'd still do it again because I've learned to value the impact that changing or transforming one life could have. I think we get too bogged down with likes and, and mass appeal, you know, that stardom business. But, you know, at this stage, when you're helping people to transform their lives, going to such a deep level in whatever you plan to do, whether it be a blog post, ETC, there's just one person. You just got to focus on one person. And you know what? There's someone else like that person and someone else like that person. And it will multiply, but you got to be patient on it. Strangely enough, just like you, I was scared of heights. And what I did to overcome it was skydiving. Exact same experience. I'm not sure if I'll do it again. I'm, I'm trying to muster up the courage, but it was a wonderful experience and it literally changed my life. Just like you, I'll get in the airplane and I'll be like, all right, if we crash, is the exit. You know, I'll just, just so many thoughts in my head. So I'm happy to hear someone else went through the same experience. Yeah, it's kind of like second guessing that choice. I mean, oftentimes if I'm going through something, I think that I'm the only one thinking or processing like that. 
And for me as an individual, like I try to second guess, like my psyche tries to convince myself not to do something because of the risk. So like I'll evaluate every scenario and majority of the scenarios are, are negative sometimes. And it's like, okay, how do I get past that? Because I set my mind up to, to fail kind of because I think I'm going to fail. So it's like creating or pivoting from that mind shift in terms of like a positive outcome or like looking at it regardless of what happens, happens and I get value out of it. Yeah, I mean, the last thing I'll say with that is I just recorded a, a video for my YouTube um, uh, page this morning. And by the time this podcast interview is out, it definitely will be out. And I'll tell people you can go check it out. And when you get to that crossroad that you feel the fear, what people don't realize is that there are two things that happen when you get to a crossroad and getting out of your comfort zone. There's some rights that surface. You have right to be scared. You have a right to retreat. But at the other side, you have an obligation right? You have an obligation to something to overcome that fear. A right can be exercised, but an obligation must be fulfilled. You know, and I, I shot that this morning, so it's so fresh in my mind. And that's what happens when you get to the crossroad. Too often we focus on the rights. Um, I have a right to be scared. And you try to justify yourself. Like what you said, your psyche is like, yes, and going skydiving, you should be scared. I mean, things can go wrong, but you have an obligation to, to give courage its rightful place. You have an obligation to be brave, because you're a human being, you have an obligation to let your creativity just propel you past any barriers that you face. Yeah, I agree. And I think with the, the podcast in general, so I switched over to an interview format March of 2019. And since then, I've interviewed like 250 people. Um, and the reason I switched over, I think, is in February of the previous month, my grandfather passed away. That was kind of my male role, uh, my main male role model. And, you know, it helped me through the grieving process because some guests obviously talk about hurdles or things that you've overcome in terms of grief and loss. And it helped me through that. And I saw at that point, it was like one of those things where, you know, should I stop doing this or stop or put other things on hold? And then I remembered like what my grandfather told me that obviously I'm an immigrant from Ukraine. We came over. So what have I achieved here, you know, in terms of being a foster parent, taking care of kids that obviously aren't even my, my own and being a, a male role model, a father figure for them. So remembering that, it kind of got me through it because thinking that it wouldn't be fair to him and everybody that came before him in terms of kind of my descendants, what they went through for me to kind of squander. And obviously the grieving process and mourning, I don't, I don't, you know, say anybody to just skip it, go through that heal, obviously as much as you can get comfortable with it. And then obviously do what you need to do for, you know, yourself or whatever drives you. And it's important to go through that healing process. And we face a lot of trauma in our life growing up. And a lot of us have not healed from it. I was just having this conversation, I think yesterday with, with one of my co coaches, my mentees. And I was like, you know, you might have moved on from something, but you may not have healed from it. So it's important to also heal from things, not just move on from it and forget it. Because it's still actually biologically it still stays inside of you. Yeah, I agree. So what's one thing that you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? Sorry, can you give me that question again? I think network kind of. So what's one thing that you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? <laughs> Absolutely speaking. 
speaking was a weakness for me. <laughs> I couldn't speak well. Um, not that I stuttered or anything, but just communicating the message. And I've managed to turn that around. Uh, I'm a speaker right now. I have a, you know, I, I shoot some videos on YouTube. I try to release content. I tried to hide behind that. It was a weakness because I would write as much as, I mean, I was, I feared public speaking so much, like what you said, most people do that I would prefer to write despite my challenges with writing. I mean, I would post something on a blog or social media or my newsletter and there's just mistakes left, right and center. And I was still willing to stay in that comfort to avoid going on screen. But I just kept getting pushed and people said, look, you have a good on-screen um, presence you know, leverage it. And, and that's what I've been doing. And it's been working very, very good. And it's one of my strengths right now. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and a lot of people don't do that. Like if they're super scared of speaking, they'll stay with writing, but it's one of those things like you should at least try it. Maybe you'll get better with it. Maybe you'll push yourself to kind of like enjoy it or find a passion for it, but at least try that. So like in terms of digital marketing, any advice I give to any client is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't try this one thing because like, let's say this traffic source may change. Google may change the algorithm for organic search. You have to test where people actually are, where they're spending time online and you can't really find success until you're truly kind of refining and testing. And I think that applies for, you know, across the board. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I, I would definitely issue a caution for someone who has a weakness and they're trying to overcome. Don't try to look for a strength to avoid dealing with a weakness. And I hear, I know a lot of experts say, forget about your weaknesses, maximize your strengths. But I don't 100% agree with that because I think in your weaknesses, you can find some of your greatest strengths. And you probably have a weakness in an area because you, you, it's bigger than you or the energy is so strong, you're, you're scared of the energy, not necessarily you're weak in the skill. You know, as human beings, we can develop multiple skills. So don't just easily dismiss the weaknesses in your lives. Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, personal or professional? The one piece of advice I'd leave with everyone is that creativity is a key component in your growth, in your identity, and in your, in your existence. Right? And creativity here is not just artistic, it's not your artistic skills or your musical skills. Right? It's your imagination, it's trusting yourself, it's your uniqueness. So the one thing you want to do is identify that innate creativity you had, that five-year-old child creativity. Let it out. Find a way to fuse it into any part of your life. I'm not saying quit your job or whatever you're doing and go out and, and tour the country or tour the world, right? It's find a way to fuse it in. That's what I've done. I'm still an accountant and I've found a way to fuse my creative insights because Accountancy right now with automation, I mean, no longer your CPA is just putting in data, 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 data. It's about analytics, analyzing, interpreting, communicating. So you have to be able to learn how to tell your story. And that's the way I sum it up. Learn how to tell your story because when you tell your story, you own your story. Yeah, I agree. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Great. Can find me on my website. Uh, www.robertabell.com. I'm across social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Twitter, Robert A. Bell. You can find me. Or you can go to the website and just get my social links that way. And um, my first book, Blow the Lid Off, um, Reclaim Your Stolen Creativity, in, Increase Your Income and Let Your Light Shine is available on Amazon, 
Barnes and Noble, wherever books are sold. So you can grab yourself a copy for you can reclaim your creativity and improve your personal and professional life. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you so much. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.